Amen, amen, amen. I don't know. I was thinking about this just before, just before I came up here. How many of you hate death? How many of us have lost loved ones? How many of us have... How many of us live in the threat of every time you go to the doctor for a tiny little thing, you come out and you think to yourself, well, someday, someday, going to have to take the last breath. Amen? Going to happen unless Jesus comes first. Every one of us is going to have to face that. But man, it's one thing to face it with hopelessness. It's another thing to face it with the lamb has overcome. Do Do we grasp that? Or is this just going to be another Easter with Easter bunnies and chocolate and and cooking whatever favorite foods? Who's going to make a ham? Who's going to make a lamb? Who's going to make whatever? It's got to be more than that. Amen. It's got to be more than that. Amen. 39 years ago on Easter was the first time I walked into a church like this. John was probably on the keyboards. <laughs> he was. He was in the church that I got born again in. You probably were singing that day, leading worship. Amen. Amen. And as soon as I walked into that place, there was this tearing that started and just pulling me inside. Just like I knew that the people that were in that room had something I had never experienced yet. But the other part of me was like, get out of this place. These people are crazy. Nobody should be singing this loud. Nobody should be having this much fun. There were people talking in all kinds of languages and who's jumping up and shouting and who's running around the room, who's dancing. I'm like, they got to be out of their mind. But it was me that was out of my mind. And I had stepped into a room full of people who had found out what Easter Sunday was really all about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And life would never be the same from that day. He is alive. He's risen, just like he said he would. He kept his word. Amen? Amen. You and I have nothing to fear anymore. If we have placed our faith in him, if we have placed our trust in him, if we have come to the place in our hearts where we believe that, yes, he is the son of God. Yes, he did die on the cross to pay for our sins. Yes, God raised him up again from the dead. And he's alive right now. And when we put our trust and our faith in him, we can go to bed and not give a concern of whether we take our last breath because we will be forever in his presence. And that's a whole lot better than what we got here. Amen. Thank God for the hope that we have in him. Thank God that we can come together tonight and celebrate his goodness, his faithfulness, and the fact that just like he said he would do, he has done it. He's risen. He's risen. He's not dead. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Be seated. The cake is done. (laughs) Hallelujah. How are we doing tonight? I'm happy he's alive. Happy he's alive. He's changed our lives. 
For those of you that don't know him yet tonight, you'll have the opportunity before we leave tonight to put your trust and your faith in him and make a public declaration. Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he was born of a virgin, came to this earth, went to the cross, died on that cross to pay for our sins. He is the lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. And he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Glory to God. I said glory to God. He's alive. Praise God. And we're going to see him soon. Yeah, it always gets real quiet on that one. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. That shouldn't frighten you. That should, that should give you hope. Amen. So listen, starting this Wednesday night, if you've had any questions about what's coming up in the future, what are the end times all about? Is there this thing called the rapture? You need to come and find out Wednesday night. We'll start on Wednesday night. We'll go for as many weeks as we need to. Amen? And the cool, thing, the cool thing about Wednesday night is you just don't come here and sit and listen to a lecture. Okay, you'll have an outline. You'll be able to raise your hand and ask questions. Don't do it tonight. But Wednesday night, you'll be able to raise your hand, ask questions. We'll stop. We'll take the questions. If we go for however long until Jesus comes back, we'll do it every Wednesday night. Amen? Because listen, listen, listen. The message about the end times is not supposed to scare us. It's supposed to prepare us. And there's a whole lot of people that are not prepared. They're not prepared. Going to get taken by surprise, just like when the rains came. And Noah built that ark and told them, get in the ark, get in the ark. They said, you're crazy. He said, it's going to rain. Water's going to come from the sky. And they went, ha, ha, ha. Water's never come from the sky before. It's never happened before because it had never rained before. Go read it. So when he said, get in the boat, because the rain's coming, the water's coming from the sky, they said, oh, he's crazy. Water's never come from the sky. So when you talk about the rapture, you say, yeah, Jesus is coming. He said he's going to appear in the sky, and he's going to take off the earth every one of his believers, every believer, every Christian, every born-again child of God is going to, in a split second, get taken off this planet, and people go, oh, ha, ha, that's never happened before. Guess what? First time for everything. And really isn't the first time because it has happened in the past. You just have to read the Bible. Can't just own one. Some of us use them as good luck charms. Oh, pastor, I got six Bibles in my house. Yeah, well, have you read one of them? You know, when I was growing up, my mother had one of those. Big St. Joseph Bible. Looked like a half a sheet cake. This thick covered in plastic, just like the couches. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Beautiful artwork. Used to, I used to go through those pages. Oh, they're pretty pictures. But I never read it, and even when I would try to read it, I'd go, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because you don't know the author. But when you know the author, and he's living inside you, then you open up that book, and all of a sudden, the words jump off the page. And all of a sudden, everything comes together and makes sense. Are you listening to me? So much to be grateful for this weekend. So much. You ready to get into the Word? Uh, how about the rest of you? You ready to get into the Word? 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. We're going to read Matthew's account of the resurrection. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, now we know Sunday's the first day of the week, right? Yes. Yeah, we say that, but do we know that? Because, yes. well, as we include Sunday in the weekend. Oh, the weekend's tonight. Yes. Exactly. After 12 o'clock tonight, it's a new day. Tomorrow is the first day of the week. We set that first day apart to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how come we're not, we're not worshiping on the Sabbath? Well, today we are. But the early church decided to put the first day of the week aside. That's why we have a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Amen? Thank God, right? So that first day of the week, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone. That stone was big. Usually it would take four or five big guys to move it. He rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards, the Roman guards who had been assigned to guard the tomb, which goes to show you that the people that assigned the guards believed in the resurrection more than the disciples did, because if you don't believe he's going to come out of that tomb, why do you need to put a guard there? You, you, you get it? If you really believe he's dead and he's not coming back, what do you need a guard for? Think about it, it'll settle in. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Uh, would, you, would you say that with me again? Just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying, verse 7. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Verse 8, the woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that every scripture we share tonight, every comment, every observation, every song that we sing, Father God, would glorify you. I pray that every single person that's here tonight would clearly understand and perceive and receive the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help us to understand your word. Father, help me to communicate it clearly, Lord God, so that we can leave this place different tonight. We trust you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christian faith. Without the resurrection, there's no Christianity. That's what separates us from every other religion on this planet. You think about it, every other one is either a counterfeit or a, an offshoot 
But it seems like they always add something that you have to do or I have to do. True biblical Christianity, the only thing we do is put our faith and trust in the one who went to the cross, died on that cross, rose again from the dead, and is alive right now. See, without the resurrection, think about this. Without the resurrection, the belief in God's saving grace through Jesus has no basis, has no foundation. There's nothing to connect it to. It's the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead just like he said he would that distinguishes him from every other character in the Bible, distinguishes him from every other religious character that the world has ever known. He said he was going to do it. He did it. It happened. He's alive. Right now, he's alive. You listening? Right now, your loved ones who have placed their faith in him, they're more alive now than they were when they were on this planet. You listening to me? When Jesus rose from the dead, it confirmed his identity as the Son of God. It set into motion the work of atonement, atonement, the, the sacrificial act of him paying on our behalf for our sin, of our redemption, the reconciliation between us and our Creator, our God. And it confirmed salvation in our lives. The resurrection of Jesus is not a legend. It's not a myth. It literally took place. His physical body came to life from the dead. It is the ultimate act in which God has given us hope. It tells us that life does not end when our spirit leaves our body. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. Because the older we get, the closer we get to that point. Wow, what an amazing revelation. <laughs> People say, well, you know, it's tough getting old. Yeah, but the alternative is, is not too... Our life does not end when our spirit leaves our body. It's going gonna, it's gonna to live forever someplace. Unfortunately, many people have this idea, well, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, when you die, you just disappear and cease to exist. Oh, you should be that lucky. It doesn't happen that way. Every one of us is going to live forever. Every one of us. Every one of us, our spirits are going to live forever. See, who your spirit is is the real you. This thing is just what our, what our, our this is just a container for our spirit. Some of us have bigger containers than others. Some of us have nicer looking containers than others. Some of us have containers with hair. I have mine on reserve in heaven. Jesus has got a little storage unit there with my name on it. Full-headed John Travolta hair. Hallelujah. So we come out of the disco age. I used to wear my hair just like him. In fact, he used to call me up for tips. How do you do your hair? <laughs> Thank God for the resurrection. Amen. We have hope of a better future. Amen? Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16, Paul addresses a whole bunch of garbage that was going on then. 
Just like today, people mock, people doubt the resurrection. Oh, really, couldn't that ever happen? Same stuff was going on then, just within 20 to 30 years after the resurrection. And so Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth because there was a bunch of stuff going on in that church and people were saying there is no resurrection. So he counters it with, and if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you, no, it's worse than that. And you're still guilty of your sins. Because without the resurrection of the dead, we can't claim salvation. We can't be cleansed. We can't, it's still clinging to us. We can't get rid of it if there's no resurrection. Verse 18, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, in other words, if we're only living for now and that's it and you cease to exist, we're, the more, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Why? Because we put all of our hope and trust and efforts and work and, and resources and energy into this short little period of time which in eternity, we're going to bump into each other in the future. In eternity, somebody's going to mention the word earth, and we're going to go, what's earth? What was that? We remember that little planet that we lived on? We lived on another planet? Yeah. It was there, it had a moon. No, I don't know. I guess that sounds vaguely familiar. Now, we put all our efforts into cramming everything we possibly can into these 80 or 90 or 100 years if we're blessed and it's going to go by like that. But in eternity, it's always now. It's always now. Are we going to have future tense words in heaven? Are we going to have past tense words in heaven? We might have past tense. But everything's now. Eternity's always now. Always now. And that's wonderful when we're going to heaven. But think about the alternative. It's always now. It's always now. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, whenever it was. That man that Jesus talked about, that rich man, who Lazarus used to come to his gate begging for crumbs. Lazarus the leper. And then they both die, and Lazarus, the angels come and take him to the place where Abraham is, a place of paradise. And the Bible says that the rich man was buried and in hell, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he could see Abraham. He said, Abraham, please send Lazarus to just put a drop of water on my tongue. I'm, I'm, I'm tormented in these flames. Now, Jesus told that incident, not a story, it was true, 2,000 years ago. That man is still waiting for that drop of water. It's always now. Grasp that. It's always now. The place of torment is always now. Just like the place of happiness and contentment and bliss is always now. And where you spend your eternity is not determined on what a good person you are. Well, pastor, I consider myself a really good person. I never killed anyone. I haven't robbed anyone. Never took drugs. Don't drink alcohol. I'm nice to people. So you're a better sinner than I am was still born a sinner. You might have a little bit better morals than maybe the next person, but your spirit is still dead. How many remember original sin? Come on. How many, how many recovering Catholics do we have? 
Well, original sin was the sin that Adam and Eve committed, and it clung to mankind ever since then. Our spirits were dead. And the only way to get your spirit alive is to connect it to God Almighty, the one who created you to begin with, and to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. So it sounds so narrow-minded. I didn't make it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Either he's a liar or he's telling the truth. Based on his track record, I'm saying he's probably telling the truth. And if he's, if he's loving enough and compassionate enough to tell us how to get there and we still refuse, then it's not his fault if we end up separated from him from all of eternity. He's showing us the way. He's giving us the way. He paid for the way. He paved it with his blood. Dear God, what else could he possibly do? He went to the cross and suffered a horrible death. Laid it all on the line. And all he said was, will you trust me? Will you put your faith in me? Will you believe in me? And the Bible says that all who received him, John chapter 1, verse 12, to them, he, Jesus, gave them, the believer, the right, the authority, the ability to become a child of God. How much easier can it be? He's done it for us. In fact, he went a step further. He became sin so that you and I could become his righteousness. Peter said, he's our living hope. Hope, how many of you have experienced hope? Let me see. At some point in your life, how many are still awake? Let's start there. Okay. How many of you could remember a time, maybe recently, maybe that you, you had a sense of hope on the inside? Let me see your hands. That, that's what I felt like that first Sunday I walked into a born-again church like this, right on the other side of town, not too far from here. I had hope. Because before that day, I was two weeks away from committing suicide. Some of you have heard my testimony over the years. Two weeks. I had everything planned. Had my wife taken care of. My two sons were taken care of. I had the plan. And it got messed up when I walked into that church that morning. Because I had hope. Something gave me hope. And I pray, I pray that there's some of you here tonight that you've at least sensed that same hope when you came in here. Doesn't have to be this way. Life does not have to continue this way. There is hope. But listen to me. Now, hope is more than an emotion. Now, hope is a person. First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us what? New birth. That's why it's called being born again. He has given us new birth into a living hope. Through, how do we get this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He is hope. Hope is a person now. Hope's not just a feeling. Hope's not a theory. Hope is an individual. And when we place our trust in him, and when our sense of hope goes from a, 
hope so, to a I know so. I know he is the son of God. I know that he died on the cross. I know he is the lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. I know that that's him. When we go from that hope to faith, bam, salvation just becomes immediate. Instantaneous. You know, I don't have to do anything else? No. I don't have to go build a church somewhere? No. I don't have to give away all my wealth? No. I don't have to pray for 16 hours a day? Eight hours. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's a free gift. You can't earn it. Frank Sinatra, before he died, tried to give millions of dollars to the Catholic Church because he thought that would clinch it for him. I pray to God that he at least had enough sense to go to God without his checkbook and say, God, have mercy on me. Otherwise, I'm sure he died a very frustrated individual. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good deeds. You can't walk enough old ladies across the street. You can't give away. You can't. You hear what I'm saying? It's always beyond you. You can't. It's not possible. And that's why religion produces frustrated individuals. Where biblical Christianity, where you have a relationship with the one who went and died on the cross for your behalf, you actually have a relationship. You know him, not just know about him. You know him. It's not, well, I read the Bible all the time. I've recited all kinds of scriptures. That's great. But do you know the author? Do you know him? And then he'll walk you through the book. Amen? Amen. In a little while, we're going to take communion together. In order to prepare our hearts, I want to go through the song that we're going to sing in just a little bit. Let's go through the lyrics. Because to me, it's kind of the greatest foundational set of thoughts put together that can help us to prepare our hearts so that when we take communion, it's not just a snack. How many remember going to church? <laughs> and you couldn't wait for the snack. <laughs> when I went to church, we only got the cracker. The priest got the wine. <laughs> We're all sitting there with a piece of bread and going, okay, well, now we take the cup, we take the bread, we take the, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do it in remembrance of him. Are you listening to me? So let's go into the song. We're going to sing it later, but let's go through the lyrics. Amen. The song entitled, Living Hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody in that been, ever been in that dark night yes. of desperation? Yes. You maybe just came home and you're drunk or whatever, plastered out of your mind, high, lit. What's the word they use today? <laughs> wasted. Is, is wasted the one? What is it? Brick. Brick? Brick. Oh, ripped. Oh, that's an old one. You know what I'm talking about. And you like, 
you, if you could die, you wish you could. And you're, you're laying there, or you're on the couch, or you're in the back seat of the car, or you're on the curb, or you didn't make it to the front door, you're on the steps, and you're, and you're crying out into the night, oh, Jesus, if you just get me through this, come on, finish it. I'll never do this again. You know, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, they were immediately aware of a drastic change that had taken place. Nobody had to come and tell them what they did. They knew immediately, immediately, something happened, something changed, something drastic changed. They knew it. The first thing they, the first thing they experienced was fear. Now, listen, if you know anybody, if you or anybody you know experiences anxiety, panic attacks, things of that nature, don't raise your hand right now. Make sure you're here next weekend because we're going to spend a ton of time talking about this. But listen to me. Here's a fact that you need to grasp or you'll never get free from fear. This was the very first time that mankind experienced that emotion of fear. God did not create us to experience that. God did not introduce it into the human experience. Sin introduced it into the human experience. And I say that because so many people, when they experience panic attacks, trust me, I know. I went through panic attacks for at least 10 years. Severe. Make you crazy person. I know what I'm talking about, okay? But it was never supposed to be part of our experience. And the thing that the devil does is this. He attacks you with fear, and then he attacks you for having fear. Like, what kind of person are you? Look at you. You're not a man. You're not a this. You're not a that. How could you... There must be something wrong with you that you're experiencing. No, it's sin. Sin let fear into this world. Now, imagine this. Now, we, we can't, we can't, it's, it's not even fair for me to say imagine this because we can't wrap our head around this. Because we're so used to experiencing fear that we've learned to tolerate it. But if we could possibly imagine what it was like to be created, never experiencing fear, never having an anxious thought, never experiencing an insecurity. And then all of a sudden, you make one mistake and it hits you like a flood. Could you imagine what that felt like for them? They knew instantaneously something changed. And the first thing they did was they hid themselves. I don't want to get into next week's message. Pastor Matt's on the front row here going, he's preaching the whole message from next week. Because <laughs> we've been working on this together. They knew something had changed immediately. They understood, oh my God, I have lost my awareness of God in my life. We don't realize how traumatic that is because we're born without an awareness of God in our lives. And then some point in our life, we recognize, I'm separated. I'm missing something. There's an emptiness here. There's a void here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because every one of us have been created with this void that only Jesus can fill. We try to stuff other things in it. Relationships, other people, careers, money, wealth, material things. We try to stuff all those things in there. They don't, they don't, it's like they don't match
This weekend, we celebrate Jesus being that very bridge that closed the gap between us and God. He brought us back together. He paid for the sins that we're responsible for. Because he knew there's no other way for us to, there's no other way for us to get reconciled. Somebody had to pay for it. He did. The song goes on, then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. You know, on that Friday, Jesus suffered terribly for six hours. Do you know that the Romans had perfected this execution uh, using crucifixion to a science? They knew, they even knew exactly what angle to nail the person to a cross so they would have the ultimate torment. And they crucified Jesus and they hung him in such a way that it's almost impossible to breathe. And most crucifixion victims did not die from bleeding out. They died from suffocation because it's impossible for you to catch a breath because you can't lift yourself up because your legs... Your, your feet are spiked to the wood. Your hands, your wrists are connected to the wood. There's no flexibility. You can't, you can't. And here's six hours. And on top of that, he had been brutally tortured, back ripped open, skull pierced. Blood just pouring out of his wounds, weakening him by the minute. And then finally at 3 o'clock, having been on the cross since 9 o'clock in the morning, he took his last breath. He said, it is finished. It's paid for. It's complete. The song goes on. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. This is what I talked about before. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he, God, say God, God. made him, Jesus, say Jesus, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I like to call it the great exchange. Jesus, who was righteous, took our sin on himself. He had to. He couldn't die unless he took our sin. See, without sin, you can't die. Adam and Eve were never supposed to die. You and I were never supposed to die. When sin came in, spiritual death came in. When spiritual death came in, physical death came in. There's no way for him to die on the cross unless he became sin. Sin gives permission for death. Now, the day's going to come when that's over with. Jesus will we'll enter into that place in eternity. Jesus is there with us, never again to die. And the time will come when death itself ceases to exist. But right now, we still have to put up with this stuff. Now, Whoever puts their faith in him, even though he dies, yet shall he live, because our spirit lives with him. But Jesus defeated death. 
by allowing death to come on him. We have so much to be grateful for. And because all we know is life on this cursed planet, and all we know is living with the results of sin, we think it's normal. We go, well, you know, this is my cross to bear. No, no, the cross to bear is never sickness and disease. The cross to bear is identifying with him, is putting away our dreams, our life, our wants, our desires, and living life for him, letting him call the shots. That sounds tough, Pastor. Yeah, if you try to do it on your own, it is tough. But the more we give ourselves over to him, the less we depend on life in this world. The less we try to get what we need from other people and instead get it from him. The more that we experience this kind of life. That's the abundant life that Jesus talked about. Amen? Amen. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The king of kings calls me his own. Beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, the song goes. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. We have a lot to celebrate. A lot to celebrate. Then the song goes on. A little bit more. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are my living hope. Remember that it's not an emotion. Hope to us is a person. We got the greater one living on the inside of us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in every believer That living hope rises up in us every time a challenge presents itself. Every time an adversity presents itself. He, the living hope by his spirit, rises up on the inside of us and lets us know it's not over. It's not over. We can't overcome. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 28. And very quickly, I'm going to move through this very quickly and then we're going to take communion together. Matthew 28, verse 6 said, the angel said to the women, he isn't here, he is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Would you say that with me? Just as he said would happen. To me, when I was going through this the other day and reading through Matthew, when I came to that verse, that phrase, just as he said, just jumped right off the page. And I I asked this question of myself. If he rose from the dead just as he said, what else can we believe will come to pass just as he said? Uh, Should I say it again? If he did what you and I would think is impossible just as he said, then why would we not believe that everything else he said would come to pass just as he said? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
If he rose from the dead just like he said, then we can believe he will save us just like he said. Jesus has promised that he will take us in, he will care for us, we will spend eternity with him, we'll always be with him in the future. And if he rose from the dead like he said, then I could trust him for salvation just as he said. You listening? Number two. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, then he may abide with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, that same chapter says this, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I've said to you. So I ask you the question, church, if he rose from the dead just like he said, then we can believe he will send the Holy Spirit. Brings us a lot of hope, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. The Christian life is a life full of blessings, but it's not easy. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we hear Jesus saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Christ promises we'll never be alone. When we're tired, we can rest in him. When we feel like we can't go on, he reassures us, he strengthens us, he never leaves us. So if he rose from the dead just like he said, then we can believe he will give us peace and rest just like he said. So why not believe him for that? Why not take hold of it? Why not receive it? He said in John chapter 14, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Jesus said, I will come back. We have that promise. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. And when he's ready, we will be with him in that place. We have peace knowing we have a home being prepared by Christ and that it will come for us. So that promise, is it any different than the promise of salvation? No. Is it any different than the promise of rest? No. Is it any different of the promise of the Holy Spirit? No. And we're told to live our lives in such a way because if he rose from the dead just like he said, and if he said he's coming back again, then we can trust him just like he said. And so let me show you a little bit, and I'm kind of like giving you a little teaser for next Wednesday night. And let me read you this scripture from the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 tells us when we're going to see him the next time. You listening? The scripture is extremely important because this tells us when and under what circumstances we're going to see him the next time. And listen, I I think even the oldest among us here can still have the hope that it's going to happen within our lifetime. Why? Why? Because if he rose from the dead, just like he said, then we can believe what all the prophets said is going to come to pass, just like they said. Are you listening? And listen, everything that's supposed to happen, it's happened already. Here's how it's going to happen. Very near future could happen this year. It could happen this year. In the fall. No, I don't set dates. I like, 
I don't want God to have to take me home early. <laughs> For the Lord himself, not another one. For the Lord who? Himself. himself. The same one that left. For the Lord himself will descend from where? Heaven. With a what? Shout. Shout. And with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the what? Clouds. To meet the Lord where? In the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. If he rose from the dead, just like he said, then he's coming back. And look at the next verse. Therefore, do what? Which words? These words. What words? He's coming. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to descend with heaven, from heaven with the voice of the archangel and a trumpet blast that's going to blow everybody's eardrums out. And the cemeteries are going to open up. And every person that was buried there that was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, their bodies are going to pop out of that grave like Pop-Tarts on on, in the morning <laughs> breakfast. Boop. Oh, pastor, that's never happened before. Yes, it did. Because most people read through the Easter story and skip over the juiciest parts. Because the Bible tells us, I believe it's in the same gospel in Matthew, that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, the tombs in Jerusalem opened up and the dead saints, the ones who believed that God would send the Messiah, popped out of their graves and went into the city and here, Uncle Sidney shows up at their niece and nephew's house, who's been dead for 50 years. Put the coffee on, I got bagels. Go read it. It's happened already. And it's going to happen again. Amen? Amen? If he rose from the dead, then everything else he said he's going to do just like he said. Amen? Amen. He is our living hope. You don't have to live this life without hope. You don't have to live this life this way, this this far away from a a breakdown. You don't have to live this life from, from just misery to misery, chaos to chaos. He's our hope. He's gone before us. We don't have to live in fear. Oh, I'm going to die someday. We're going to get translated someday. For the believer, death is a change of address. Are you listening? Because he has risen, we have the hope of everlasting life. Amen? Come on out. Let's sing. Then we're going to take communion together. Hallelujah. Did you get encouraged tonight? Yes. Come on, stand up, everybody. Oh, we bless you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, for enduring all that suffering on our behalf. We're forever grateful to you, Jesus. What I'd like to do at this point before we take communion, I want us to just, just, just get silent for a moment. And what I'd like us to do in order to prepare our hearts to really receive communion here today, communion that's going to really give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ is right now in your heart, if you need to forgive someone or maybe multiple people in your life that have wronged you, that have hurt you, that have wounded your heart, would you please right now, just in in that silent place, just release them. Oh, pastor, you're saying, pastor, I, I can't, you don't know the hurt they caused me. You don't know the trauma. No, no, honestly, I don't. But your Heavenly Father does. And Jesus forgave us so much, making it possible for us to forgive others. So, so right now, in your heart, just release that person or persons. But at the same time, if you need to ask God for forgiveness for yourself, Go ahead and do that right now. Remember Jesus' words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, we release every individual, every person that's ever hurt us, God, disappointed us, betrayed us, stole from us. Lord, we release them. We don't want vengeance upon them anymore. We release them. And Father, we ask you to forgive us according to your word, God. For you said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just, not only to forgive our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we receive your forgiveness and we receive your cleansing as your children, God. Thank you for forgiving us as we forgive others, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for anyone here tonight whose heart may have become bitter. Yet maybe they have been 100% victimized through no fault of their own. Father, we recognize that. It happens to many of us, Lord. But Father, I pray that that bitterness would be neutralized. That we would become childlike again. Pure-hearted, God. All cynicism disappearing, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, only you can do that. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that now. Heal broken hearts. Restore tenderness 
where hardness has come. We claim your blood over our lives. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Father. In Jesus' name. Now we're going to take communion, so I want you to take hold of that cup. But I want you to listen first before we go ahead and take communion. Listen to me closely. Those of you that are here tonight, listen to me closely. If you have never had the opportunity to declare your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you've known about him, maybe, yes, I know about Jesus, I learned about him when I was a little kid, but you never got to the place where you publicly declared Yes, I believe that he is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I want him to be my Lord and I want him to be my savior. Here's what I ask you to do. If that's you, as an act of faith and demonstration of what you believe, receive communion with us. I'm just going to tell you straight out. If you don't believe that, Yet, don't take communion. This is an action step. I don't want you to do something just for the fact of doing it. I pray in Jesus' name that God would reveal himself to you. I pray for you that you would receive the revelation of who Jesus is. I pray even now that would happen to you right now that you would come to understand just in a split second that he died for you, that he loved you so much that if you were the only person on this planet, he would have still gone to the cross just for you. He loves you that much. And he wants you to spend all of eternity with him in his presence. And you've been brought here tonight, not by coincidence, but by his divine plan so that you would hear the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ, and that you would make that choice. Amen? Amen. Let's say this prayer together before we take communion together. Repeat this with me. Father, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross as payment for my sins. I receive the Lord Jesus the risen Savior as my Lord, as my Savior. I believe that according to the word of God, now that I have declared Jesus is my Lord, I am saved. I am a child of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, take your communion cup. Peel that plastic off the top. Take hold of that wafer. What you're holding in your hand is bread without any leavening. Leavening in the Bible is symbolic of sin. This bread represents the Lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. He had no sin. He has no sin. He is the bread of life. I'm going to pray over this. We're going to bless it. And then we're going to take it together. And we're doing this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, as often as you 
eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We do it in remembrance of him. This is not becoming anything magical. This represents his body. Father, thank you for your blessing upon this bread. We recognize, Father, that this represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was pierced for us, brutalized for us, nailed to that cross for us. And your word says that by his wounds that he received, we are healed. We receive this bread with thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Go right ahead. Take that foil off the cup, please. What we have in our hand, this cup represents the blood of Jesus that he shed at the cross. The blood that God in heaven received as payment for your sins and for my sins. This blood that we hold in our hand, the symbol of it, is what defeated Satan, defeated death, hell, and the grave. Cleansed us and made us qualified to stand in the presence of God. Father, we thank you for your blessing on this cup, Lord God. We don't take it lightly, Father. We are declaring our faith in Jesus Christ by taking this cup. And we do it in remembrance of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen very quickly. We're going to be out here in a minute. Thank you for being so cooperative tonight, for being so patient. If you said that prayer tonight for the very first time, please, and if you took communion with us as an act, declaring your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, please give us 30 seconds before you go. When everyone else is dismissed, Please make your way up here. There'll be people standing up front. Tell them, I prayed that prayer tonight for the first time. Please. We have a gift bag for you. In that bag is a Bible. There's some other materials in there. We want to give you what you need to start you on this journey and this new life now in Christ. You are now a child of God. You are born again. Your spirit is alive unto God. And you have every right to expect to live for all eternity in his presence as of this night forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. On behalf of my wife, myself, our staff, our family, God bless you all. We pray that you have an awesome rest of this blessed resurrection weekend. Happy Easter to all of you. Please, those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, please come up here. Let us know. Amen. God bless you.